1: Let's try that again. Good morning, Movement Church.
0: Good morning. Hey, I am so excited about our She Conference that's coming up. It's on November 8th and 9th. It is less than three weeks away, you guys. And we are so excited. And I, I, I've been talking about this for a while. And I think the one thing you know about a Movement Church event when we gather the girls is it's going to be a party. And we're going to have a lot of fun. But I just really want to take a moment right now and talk to everybody in the room. If you're here and you do not have your ticket yet, Please don't wait any longer. Grab a ticket and make plans. Hey, listen, every woman in the room, I'm talking to you. Whether it's your first time or the first time in a long time, listen, I my greatest hope is that you would show up and be present these two days because we're expecting God to do something miraculous. You know, we, sung, we sang that song, Take Courage, and, and it talked about waiting on God. And I don't know how many of you can identify with being in a waiting season where maybe you feel stuck and maybe you're confused about what the future holds and you're just going, God, I need to know. I need to know what you have for me. And I really believe at this conference, God is going to reveal a next step for every single one of us. And I believe there's freedom and there's hope and there's breakthrough that's gonna be available for you and the women in your world that you know. So I'm just I'm just saying, please make sure you grab a ticket and invite friends and come and show up. Yeah. This is not just a movement church thing. We have churches from all over Orange County and San Diego. So invite every girl you know and let's get them in that room and expect God to do the miraculous. Are you with me? Yeah.
1: And listen, yeah? hey guys, bring, get every woman in your life your wife, your niece, your aunt, your daughter, your sister, make sure they're here. I'm telling you, God's gonna do something awesome. And then you ladies who are in here like going, I'm not really sure if I'm gonna do this or not, stop it. We're talking to you, sign up today. What do they need to do to sign up? Because you, te- you don't wanna miss this.
0: Yeah, you can text the word she to the number that's on the screen behind me. I don't see any of you grabbing, I can't see you anyway. Yeah, they're
1: not Come grabbing their Come on, grab your, grab phones, your cell phones. Okay.
0: You're gonna text the word she and it'll take you exactly to where you need to go to buy a ticket and you can share that with friends as well. Um, but grab a ticket. And if you know anybody listen who's a teenager all the way through young adults 25 and up okay if you consider yourself a young adult we'd love to have you be a part of our generation she breakout we have created space at this conference just for these girls That's and right. and i i've got a speaker coming that is just there for you and i just really believe it's going to be such an amazing time so uh, if you know some teenagers and some young adults Get say hey there. you got to come with me because we're going to have a good time together
1: and our speaker's australian so, everything Elise. she says is going yeah, to be good. Yeah, it does. It, it just
0: sounds good. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah. I know. It's a pretty it's awesome true. thing. It's true. Well, we're excited. We're in week one of a series called Not Alone, yeah. and we're going to do this a little different yep. uh, style today. It's a three week series where we're talking about the topics that seem to isolate us the most the the things that are challenging to either deal with or talk about with other people and specifically we're talking about depression and anxiety and and honestly we're going to cover suicide as well Mm -hmm. and how to handle and navigate through thoughts of suicide i I was just one of our prayer team members sent me an article about a young girl 10 years old in santa Ana, who just this week took her own life 10 years old Uh, just a few weeks ago a pastor here in orange county Took his own life a good friend of mine who's a pastor in san antonio uh, just told me about how last year he had planned out to the t what he was going to do to end his life and we just thought you know what we we've got to be we got to create a series to begin the conversation and that's what this series is about we're going to talk about the things that seem to have this ability to keep us isolated and, and away from everyone else and our hope is to do a couple things number one is to begin the conversation We're not too arrogant to think that in a 30-minute service we're going to answer every question and solve everyone's problems, but we want to begin the conversation. Another thing we want to do is create a safe place for anyone in this room, anyone that you know, that they realize that there is a place to just talk about what they're walking through so that they can know in a natural and a supernatural way they're not alone and that there is hope. And yeah. so actually I'm going to reference this a little later in the service today, but I just want to make sure you can get it on your radar now. Uh, if you're here and you're struggling with any of those things, maybe it's thoughts of, uh, of or maybe it's depression or anxiety, maybe it's even thoughts of suicide. We've created a survey you can take right now online. You can text the word hope to the number on the screen and just put on there the things you're struggling with. And you can let us know if you would like one of our pastoral team to reach out and contact you. But I just want to challenge you. You don't have to go through this alone, no matter where you're at. I'm going to come back to that later. But at any time, you can text the word hope to the number on the screen. And then here would be our hope is that as a church, we can point you in the right direction. Like what is the next step that you can take? You don't this isn't as good as it gets. That's right. And that's what this series is really all about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, another important thing to know is that we don't claim to be uh, psychiatrists no. or counselors. <laughs> We're pastors. And, um, I'm pretty
1: good at telling you what to do, so <laughs> yeah, that's, right? that's prof- professional <laughs> at that. But. We,
0: kn- we know we don't have all the answers, and we can point you in the direction of some answers, but um, we just want to tackle the conversation. And I think the conversation is crucial because isolation is the enemy's playground. Yeah. Uh, it really is. And I think one of the greatest lies that the enemy tells us is no one else will understand. Yeah, I, I imagine that every single one of us in this room at one point or another have just had that thought, no one else will understand. And the problem with this is, is that lie gives isolation power and it herds us into this prison where, where we feel completely alone. Because once the enemy has convinced you that no one else will understand, he removes the ability for anybody to help, right? And now you're left to your own thoughts, your own feelings, and your own opinions. I think that's the enemy's tactic. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 18:1, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desires. He breaks out against all sound judgment. So our hope in this series is that you would know that you're not alone and that you wouldn't isolate that you wouldn't allow the enemy to convince you that nobody else understands, but that this would be a moment for conversation. The Bible also tells us in Ecclesiastes 4, verse nine through 10, it says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. And what we don't want is for anyone who is at the movement church to fall alone. We are in this together. This is what the church is for, and this is why we're starting these conversations. And so we're just gonna take a minute and pray, and then we're gonna dive into what God has for us today. Do you wanna pray for us, babe? Let's
1: do that, and here's what I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray for those of you in the room. I'm gonna pray for those of you that are in the family room watching, and I had so many people reach out to me via text and and social media to see if we posted this online. So for those of you that are listening online, I'm just gonna pray that God opens our hearts and, and, and that we can remove some of the blinders to the fact that there's always hope yeah. for our future. Can yeah. we do that? Absolutely. God, we just thank you that you're in this place. We thank you that you're up to something big. I thank you that in the moment, in a room like this, you can lean in in a way that only you can. You know every circumstance, every nuance, every challenge, every issue we've ever walked through. And God, yet you showed up today with great expectation just to meet us as an individual in this place to do something miraculous in our life. So we thank you that you don't just do the mundane or the mediocre, but God, you do the miraculous. So we thank you now. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said,
0: amen, 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 amen. Amen. Hey, we're excited to start this conversation with you. And I think today, um, the way we chose to dive in is is Pastor Kerry is going to share a little bit of his story. And as he's sharing, uh, my hope would be is that you just lean in and you listen and you allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to you uh, what he wants to say today, because I really believe God is in this place and he wants to speak to you. So babe... uh, you went through a season that was really dark and overwhelming in dealing with feelings of depression and anxiety. And so I thought maybe you could start by sharing with us, what was the catalyst for that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I think before we dive into what was a catalyst, what kind of instigated that, I, I feel it's important to do a couple things. Number one, it, you, you and I need to know right now a buzzword is mental health issues, and, and, and depression and anxiety is something that is definitely being talked about more now than ever before, but there's also multiple types of depression. There's pathological depression, there's clinical depression, but there can also be circumstantial depression. This is where maybe you walk through the loss of a loved one or a job, and now you're feeling an overwhelming sensation. And, and so I just think it's important to note that yeah. right there. There's different avenues and types of things that people struggle with. But number two, I, I, I don't like to call it depression. I like to call it feelings of depression. I'll tell you why. I, I'm going to give you the context of my journey today. And, and I think that if we if we give ourselves a label, I'm depressed, I'm in the midst of depression, then we can unintentionally wear that like an article of clothing in yeah. our wardrobe and unintentionally kind of fall victim to that. So I call it feelings of depression. And I I definitely walked through them. And for me, the journey happened not when I was a teenager or a young adult, but when I was pastoring this church. In fact, it was shortly after we began our journey. For those of you that are new, My wife and I, who this is my wife, Megan, (laughs) we moved here eight years ago to plant this church. We didn't know anyone in Orange County. We parachuted in is the the term we would use and prayed that God would bring people uh, to help us build the church. And then we sent out mailers and did everything we could to get as many people through the doors of the church. And we launched in September of 2012. And by the time we hit January 2013, just five months later, we had decreased every week it seemed like. And in fact, in January, our number was getting lower and lower and lower. And uh, to a place where I thought, this is it. It's, it's over. We, we, we came, we saw, we failed, we better get out of here. Like we raised money, we rallied people, and now we're gonna have to shut the doors of our church. And And for me, here was the background message that was kind of playing on repeat, was people are going to discover that I'm the fraud I always thought I was, Mm. that I'm not a good enough leader, I'm not a strong enough husband, I'm not a good enough pastor, and that's why our church is at the place that it is, and we're just weeks, maybe months away from closing the doors. And here's what the problem was. I had equated my performance to external and uncontrollable circumstances. Hmm. So, sure, I could build a great team. We could have great worship. I could preach the best messages on the planet, but I can't, amen. I like that, too, yeah. if you said amen. But I can't control the number of people who walk through the doors. Right. But I was attaching my performance to something that I couldn't control. And that was a catalyst for me slipping into this darkness of feelings of depression. And listen, there are things in our world that we often take uh, the responsibility for that you have no control over. Let yeah. me tell you a couple of things you have no control over. If you're a parent, you actually don't have control over the choices of your kids. Yeah. You can raise them right. You can teach them how to make great choices, but at the end of the day, they're going to choose to do what they want to do. How many of you have made some foolish choices in your life? Raise your hand. All right, the rest of you are liars. We're praying for you and secretly judging you right Stop. now. Another thing that you can't—you have zero control over, you can't control, if you're married, you can't control over whether or not your spouse will be faithful to you. Yeah. You can make the vows and you can have do everything you can to create a healthy marriage, but you can't control them. Hey, if you're here and you're single, you can't control whether or not somebody will choose to date you. You can't control your health. You can contribute to great health. You can eat vegan and organic and just bathe in essential oils and not use chemicals with parabens in them, but you still might, at the end of the day, end up with cancer. You can't control the economy no matter who you vote for. There are things that we can't control, and so for me, what I was doing was assessing who I was, my identity, wrapped up in my performance based upon something I couldn't even control oh. i wasn't listening to jesus here i'm a pastor went to bible college been in ministry for a couple decades almost and i wasn't listening to him we said hey remember the the flowers in the field oh. and the birds of the air i i i, t- I got those guys and wow. and you're even more important than they are why why are you thinking that i'm not going to take care of you and so that was a catalyst for me as i slipped into this place in feelings of depression
0: yeah What do you think were some of the symptoms um, of feelings of depression or feelings of anxiety that you were experiencing? And and how how did you identify it? How did you begin to know that that was the thing you were dealing with?
1: Yeah, I think that is probably the most important question because to be, I'm not going to say can I be honest anymore because I'm being pretty honest today. Um, Thanks for laughing. Um, builds up so much encouragement in me. Uh, I, I actually didn't know how to identify it. I didn't realize what I was walking through. So the symptoms, if I could go back and paint a picture, the, the number one symptom was just complete and utter hopelessness. Wow. Like to, that there is no hope. And I would sit and I would read the Bible and I would believe God's promises for everyone else, but not for me. So it wasn't like there was going to be a good outcome that I, I was convinced in my mind I was headed towards complete and utter distre- defeat and devastation. Right. And, and the way that that would surface is that we would have Sundays and people would come through the doors. And even in those services where we had ver- barely anybody attending, still people were saying yes to Jesus, cha- making life transforming decisions. But I couldn't see that. I could only see the empty seats and it felt hopeless. So I would go home and put my hoodie on, throw my hoodie up over my head and sink into the corner of my couch and be convinced that it was just a matter of time. Wow. I also was self-medicating. I was numbing out to the pain. And, and all of us, look at me in the eyes, we have the proclivity to self-medication. All of yeah. you do. Yeah. For you, it might be binge-watching Netflix. For some of you, it might be your work. You, you medicate by constantly staying at the office and continuing to do. More. Maybe for you, it's just being, a, being into something new, another thing, another project, another thing to be a part of. Or it could be shopping. It could be a substance like alcohol or medication or an illegal substance. Mm -hmm. We all have the proclivity to to self medicate and I was in a place where I was numbing the pain and and that always leads to a place of isolation. Yeah. And like Megan said, that is the devil's playground. So as I'm sipping sitting, slipping into the corner of my couch with this hood over the the physical appearance of what I look like was a complete representation of the internal struggle. Mm And I was keeping everyone at bay. I wasn't calling anyone. I wasn't telling my wife. I was terrified that she would find out. I couldn't, I couldn't identify what this was. I just knew I, I hated my life. And it was so horrible. I thought, I, I don't know where this is going to end. And I didn't know to talk to her. I, I was literally isolating. I, I didn't even want people in on the journey because I, I was terrified that if she knew that she realized how weak I am, it would only contribute to the feelings of self-doubt that I was already ruminating and rehearsing on in mm-hmm. a regular basis. And then on the heels of that, w- w- it was the, this, the twin sister of depression, which is anxiety. They go hand in hand. They usually follow one or the other. I, I, I would wake up in the morning, not feeling like P. Diddy, but wake up in the morning and first service laughed a lot harder than third. And it felt like a giant was standing on my chest and I couldn't breathe. And I, I there was not a specific topic, a bill that I was thinking about or a, a number that we were having a hard time. It was just like I felt the pressure. Hmm. I'll never forget the first time I pulled up to an intersection. And I've got my hands on the steering wheel and my heart started beating like this and there was no accident. We were at a complete stop. There was no life-threatening thing, and I'm going like, I thought, babe, I think I'm having a heart attack. I don't know. Maybe you need to get in the driver's seat, and I, I we need to go to the hospital right now. And I, I didn't know. I go to bed at night, and I would stay awake for two hours. With I couldn't even, I couldn't even make a list because my mind was just going crazy in this anxiety. Can you feel it right there? Like that's what was the norm. It was like revving at a thousand RPMs on a constant basis Mm. and I couldn't come down. And, And these things were literally circulating my life like vultures. Wow. And I didn't know what they were. I didn't know what was happening until I went to a conference for pastors and a preacher got up on the pulpit and he started talking about the things that I just talked to you about wow. and how he had felt them. And he was telling stories about being at an intersection or having a panic attack, which I didn't know what that was. I thought that was people who were weak people that had panic attacks. I didn't know I'd had four or five of them. Mm. And, and, and I was listening to him talk, and everyone's laughing at the stories, and I've got tears rolling down my face. Wow. He's, he's painting a, a picture of my life. And I thought in my head, this is a true story, I thought this is just, I thought this was normal. And the next words out of his mouth were, you just thought this was normal, but wow. that's depression and anxiety. Wow. And I just broke and began weeping. Mm. Wow. No one else was weeping. I was the only one in that room. And I realized, man, something's not right.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: Something's not right.
0: Well, what do you think were some of the root issues behind those feelings? What, have you been able to identify that?
1: I think that's a, that's a great follow-up question because... Like I told you, I didn't even know what the problem was. I was just experiencing the symptoms. And, and then it was a, a journey for me to begin to discover what the root issues were. Not the external, not, not the things that I could see and put my finger on, but what were the triggers that were causing this internally, and for me, it was triggers from my past. And look me in the eyes. All of us in this room have triggers from our past. A lot of us have negative scripts that we've allowed other people to write about our life, and we're currently living those out right now. And I went through a season in, in growing up in formidable years between seven and eight to yeah. fourteen and fifteen, where we went through an extreme poor, poverty-stricken yeah. scenario where we were in and out of homes, evicted from more homes than I could tell you, living on food stamps, and this was back before they had a card. It was like Monopoly money, and uh, with the WIC program, I mean, that was like, I thought that was normal. Everybody was mm. on the WIC program. If you don't know what the WIC program is, blessings on you, and <laughs> we lived in a La Quinta hotel for three months at one point, and the only food that we ate was like a f- mm. food that a uh, church brought uh, from a food pantry and left it on our front porch. I don't even know what church it was. We would have pe- Captain Crunch cereal for breakfast and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for lunch every day. Uh, there was a moment where all of our belongings were in a car, and we didn't know where we were going to stay that night. And I'm mm-hmm. 12 years old. One, We didn't know... I, I grew up going to church, and in the south where I'm from, they have church like every day of the week, morning, noon, and night, and we had a service on Wednesday. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And we had church on Wednesday, and I got a ride to church because at the time, we were living in a home where we had no electricity, no phone, no car, and uh, and literally, I got a ride to church and then got a ride back, but I didn't know where I was going, and and literally, I... It got dropped off at a hotel, like a sketchy, kind of like a no tel motel, but it was what my parents could afford. And there was one full-size bed, my mom and dad, three other kids, I slept on the floor, roaches, could see through the wall.
0: Wow.
1: And, and, I mean, there's all kinds of crazy things. But here's the, the biggest challenge about it is that in the midst of this circumstances, I'm formulating this thought that it was up to me to take care of my family as a 9-year-old, as a 10-year-old, as an 11-year-old. Part of that's the way that God wired me is I'm gonna drive at it and do this, but I thought it was up to me to keep morale up to take care of my family, but I couldn't. It was a circumstance that was outside of my control. Yeah. And so when we would hit crisis or challenge that I could not control or change or make better or help it to become something that it wasn't, it was my fault. Hmm. There was this core negative thought that I had that I was just not good enough. All humanity has one to two, maybe three core negative thoughts that you struggle with. That I don't know what yours is. But if that's left alone, it will impact how you respond to the world that you see. So when I'm seeing crisis as a grown adult, the numbers of our church are declining. It isn't because we just people don't know about us yet. It isn't because we've got to make some adjustments. It's because as a pastor... I'm not good enough, and it really came down to this concept that I didn't understand my identity in Hmm. Christ. I had been raised in church, a pastor's kid, third generation, but but I had head knowledge of who Jesus was. I could tell you and preach and teach religion, but I didn't have an understanding of who I was to God. I thought I had to hustle for my worthiness. I thought I had to work harder for him to love me more, but I didn't realize that he chose me before I was even born. In the midst of my darkest sin, in that moment, he couldn't have possibly loved me more than he did. Yeah. I am his, but I didn't get yeah. that. So the root issue was I believed the lie that I'm not good enough, even for God, and I couldn't see the fact that I am his. Yeah. Yeah. And that was what was triggering the feelings of depression and anxiety. Wow. wow. And I think, I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I, I think that that was a journey for you to figure that out, a journey of transformation.
1: It was a long journey. Yeah. It was a, a spiritual transformation. It was like an extremely long journey, but I, I wasn't the only one in the journey. Yeah. You were with me too. Yeah. So what, what was that like for you? I think it'd be good for people in here to know the other side of this.
0: Yeah, I, I think that if I could speak to anything, um, I, the biggest struggle for me was that I didn't know how to fix it. Um, I didn't know how to help, and um, I, I can identify with feelings of depression and feelings of anxiety. I think all of us in the room probably can at some point or another, but I've never experienced what it feels like to be locked in the prison of depression or anxiety like Carrie is sharing and maybe some of you have experienced, it. and, and so I wanted, I wanted to fix it. And I wanted Carrie carry to be able to do what I do when I'm in a moment like that. And, and I believe in the power of the word of God. I really do. And, and I kept encouraging him to take captive those thoughts that were not from God. The Bible says take captive every thought that's not from God. We have the ability to do that. When we think one thing, we have the ability to go, no, that is not what the word of God says. And, and I believe that there's power in that, power in the word of God, power in rehearsing the truth that God says about me. But I was expecting Kerry to do that, and he was but he still was feeling trapped. And so for me, I think the greatest struggle was is that I wasn't great at listening or slowing down, or being compassionate, and and maybe you have friends or family that are struggling with feelings of depression or anxiety, and and maybe you, like me, are just like, come on, like let's let's move forward. And I think the greatest lesson that I learned in that time is I wasn't great at listening or being compassionate um, because I was just thinking, well, stop it, <laughs> and it wasn't that easy. He was navigating through it as best as he could and and so i just want to encourage you that's a really bad response learn from my mistakes it's <laughs> a really bad response for someone who's struggling
1: especially because it was contributing to how i had already felt like yeah. i didn't want to bring her in on the journey yeah. and then when there was glimpses of that and, and she would respond yeah. that way i don't, she didn't know i'm like well maybe maybe i shouldn't tell people yeah. So then then it's just the, the prison of isolation yeah. working. It's,
0: and Kerry could have completely shut me out at that moment. Um, but he chose to keep giving me the opportunity to be who I wanted to be for him. And uh, he had to help me learn what questions to ask and how to just slow down and listen. And and maybe you're struggling and you don't feel like anyone understands. And, and I would just encourage you, there's people in your world that want to be a part of your life. And maybe they just need to know what questions you need them to ask. Maybe you need to help them know how to listen. And and Carrie was patient with me in that. And I called my pastor. And my pastor helped walk me, me through it. And, and she listened to me vent. And then she would help me know what to do. There's people in our lives that can help us navigate these scenarios. And so I guess I would just tell you, if you have a spouse or a friend or somebody close to you that's dealing with feelings of anxiety or feelings of depression, the best thing that you can do is listen. And I would say, listen 75% of the time, and maybe 25 percent of the time, you have something to say to encourage. But, but learn to ask questions. Learn to validate what they're feeling and walking through. Um, and then, more than anything else, pray and offer hope, because Jesus is our hope. And sometimes you're not going to know what to say or do, but you can pray. Any of us can pray. And so, I would just it really encourage you with that. And, and before we wrap up today, is we're getting there. I just, I don't want us to leave without um, giving you a couple keys um, in how to navigate feelings of depression or feelings of anxiety, if this is something that you're dealing with. And so Carrie, I know that you spent some time kind of identifying some keys and what it was going to take to, to navigate through those feelings. So can you share those with us?
1: Yeah. I just feel like, um, I need to push pause for a minute and, And tell you that, not you, us, that sometimes we're looking for a quick fix Mm. to some things that are going to take maybe a lifetime to discover. And you might be frustrating yourself and adding unnecessary pressure because you need something, you need like an emotional quote unquote bow flex or an emotional P90X that's going to help you get ripped abs in six days and, and you just need to know like the song we sing at the end of our journey today that part of what God wants to do is in the journey and it is a journey which means it's going to take some time Yeah. so hey look at me for a minute don't, don't put the pressure of your time frame on top of what it is you're already feeling because you're gonna really disappoint yourself. You'll really disappoint yourself and, and you set yourself up for disaster. I, um, I'm overwhelmed today at the feeling of this because I know that there are people in this room struggling with this. And the journey that I'm on is, is probably different from the journey you're on, that's okay. We're, we're all, everyone's journey is different. But this has been a nonstop process for me that has landed in a great place of hope. Let me just tell you a couple of things that have helped me in the journey, and they may work for you, they may not. But the first thing is I had to identify that this is what I was feeling. This is what, I had to identify it. I had no clue until I went to that conference and and realized, so for some of you today, just being in this room and hearing me tell my story, you might be going, oh yeah, me too. That, that's what I'm struggling with wow. to identify that. But the, the next step, I think, is one of the most crucial steps. It just can't be the last thing. And that is you've got to share it. Yeah. Y- you have to talk to somebody. I'm, I'm at that conference and, and I'm weeping as I'm realizing that I'm struggling with feelings of depression and anxiety. And I'm convinced, this is true, that when Megan finds out, she might leave me. That's what I was convinced of. And I'll never forget driving home from the conference and we're heading through Camp Pendleton on the five, heading north, and I just was telling her what God was speaking. And I just said, I think I'm depressed. And I held my breath waiting for her next response. And she reached over and she grabbed my hand and she said, we'll get through this. And I took this sigh, this breath of relief, like, okay, there's, there's some hope. I thought it was hopeless, but there's some hope. And the thought that followed that conversation with Megan was now I have to tell our pastors who actually have the ability to remove us as the senior leaders of our church. And as much as I was convinced that Megan would leave, I was convinced that the moment I told our board, they would say, okay, that's great, but we got to shut your church down now. You're no longer qualified to be pastors. Remember, I had convinced myself I wasn't good enough to do what I'm doing because otherwise the fruit would be evident. And so I called each one of our pastors, our, our board of overseers, and said, Hey, here's the struggle, here's with the journey. I think that I'm dealing with depression. I think I may need therapy. And I held my breath waiting to see what are they going to say. And each one of them just leaned in instantly and said, oh, man, absolutely. We're going to pay for your therapy. And you're going to make it through this. And I was like, does that mean I need to step down from pastor?" And They said, no. You know how many times we've been to therapy? And I was like, (laughs) man, okay. So there's something about just talking to somebody that you, it's the, the idea that I'm not alone. Right. So I have to identify it. I've got to share it. Yeah. And then I have to begin the journey. Yeah. For me, the next step was therapy. And I started a, a six-month journey with a, an amazing therapist here in the area. Megan and I have been to therapy for our marriage on multiple. Being married to her, we need therapy. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We, we just always go to therapy on a regular basis because it's so good for our soul. But I had to start with that. Another step that I took was being involved in my connect group. Yeah. The guys got around me and said, no matter, we're, we got you. You're, you're not alone in this. If you're not in the connect group, what are you waiting on? We're in the middle of a semester right now. If you don't know how to get engaged, go to our VIP tent. Go to our Next Steps course. Not because we just want to do something for fun, but because, no, we want to make sure that in every season, every aspect of your journey, you're not alone. Right. That you've got people around you. Isolation is the devil's playground. yeah. yeah. So i had to get in my connect group and stay connected Uh, part of it was processing through my emotions Hmm. like trying to figure out what i was feeling come on guys that was horrible my therapist would ask well what are you feeling right now i was like i feel like kicking you in the face does that count like no how does that make you feel like if you ask me that again it's going to be bad news i was like i don't know what to do he said oh here's how you have to process through your emotions and I'm like, what? He gave me these questions to ask. I'll never forget the first time I went home and I was feeling this inside. I didn't know what to do with it. So I closed the door to my bedroom and locked it because I didn't want Megan coming in. And I put my hand on the dresser and I'm like, Carrie, what are you feeling? And I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm feeling. Maybe you should shut your mouth. Maybe you. And I getting in this fight. No, anyway, I'm kidding. I don't, not multiple personalities. My point is I didn't know how to process through my emotions. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, if I have to go through this, every time I have this negative feeling or thought, I, life is going to be miserable But here's what I know. Listen, the triggers from your past are knocking on the door of your heart every moment of every day. Yeah. You don't get healed from that. That's the enemy's tactic. Right. But if I don't do something with that, then that noise becomes louder than the noise or the purpose of God for my life. So I've learned how to process through that. Every time I walk to this stage to preach from this pulpit, the enemy tells me, are you sure you should be preaching? Don't you remember that time? Why would they listen to you? What, what do you have to say? Only it doesn't sound like Beelzebub from hell. <laughs> it sounds like my thoughts. What, when that happens for you, what do you do? So I had to learn how to process through my emotions. Yeah. And I, you know what I did? I wrote a biblically-based mantra. Mm-hmm. I struggled with identity, God, I didn't even, I, I knew the knowledge of who God was, but I didn't have it in here that I'm His. So I wrote a mantra, I put it on my mirror. I'm more than a conqueror, chosen by God. I'm good enough because He is good. And i it goes on and on and on, and I repeat that. If you want it, I'll give it to you. You can change it out for whatever you want. But I repeat it out loud to myself every day because that thing on the inside, the triggers from my past, are always trying to get there. But the good news is Revelation 3.20 says that Jesus yeah. is always knocking on the door of your heart too. That's right. And that's the only way I made it to this place right here today is because Jesus is at the center of my life and I am led by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you're here and you are struggling with this feeling, these senses, these emotions, and maybe even the thoughts that you are terrified that anyone would ever find out that you've had those thoughts. You, you can go to therapy, you can write a mantra, you can work out, you can do all kinds of things. But if you don't have Jesus at the center of your life, it will end in a place that you are in more darkness, more frustration, because he is the only one who has the ability to change lives. He was the resurrected king which means he went to the cross for you and for me, but death could not hold him. The Bible says he was raised from the dead, and that's a representation of what he wants to do in your life and in my life, but we have to invite him in on the journey. There's a beginning point for that. There's a starting, and it doesn't look like eradicating your past or joining a church or doing everything right or accomplishing what you want or getting the job title. It's just surrender. It's saying, I'm no longer going to drive this car of my life, but God, I'm surrendering to what you want to do. And if you're here and you've never made that decision, that's why you're in this room right now. My story is just a precursor to an invitation to know the one who can actually change your life. If you're here and you've never made the decision to surrender your heart to Jesus, I'm about to give you the chance to do just that. No embarrassment to you. You don't have to get out of your seat. But this can be a holy moment where you begin the journey. It's a journey with Jesus. And look at me in the eyes right now. I'm going to put the pastor hat on for a second. Some of you have made a decision like this weeks ago, months ago, years ago. Well, you've been running from God. You got back in the driver's seat, and today is your day to surrender again. It's time to stop surrendering to the triggers from your past and to surrender to the only one who can change your life. So if you're here and you've never made that decision or it's time to make that decision again for the first time in a long time, I'm going to pray a prayer and I want to challenge you right where you're seated in the quietness of your own heart Maybe a whisper to make the prayer I pray your own. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody moving, nobody looking around. If you're here and you've never prayed this prayer or it's time to do it again, just repeat these words after me. Say, dear God, I know that you're real, that you love me that you've given me purpose, that you've given me hope, even when I feel hopeless. God, the truth is, I'm not perfect. I've made some mistakes. Would you forgive me? I want you in the driver's seat of my life. Make this statement right here your own, right where you're seated. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name, I pray. God, we thank you that you're doing something so big we cannot even conceive it. Our minds can't even fathom the miracles that you are up to. God, we thank you that no matter how hopeless it feels, our hope is still found in you and you alone. In Jesus' name, I pray.
0: If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.